resonated by them, if the Dvar Chachma that you said had value, so then it was valuable. And if the Dvar Chachma you said didn't hit home, it didn't resonate by them, it made no difference who I quoted. The first point to that was very, was actually there was a point to be impressed by. There was a point that was definitely to be impressed by. There's a, there's a Baruch Sha'amar, the Nitzim's nephew, that says a pshat, that Chazal in one place say, Chacham is loy made mikol adam, learns from anybody. And in Avais, that's in Tamid, and in Avais it says, Ezeu Chacham is a Rayas Sorry, in Tamid it's Rayas Anailad, if you see the future, is a Chacham. And in Avais it says, Loy made mikol adam, to learn from anybody. And Yeshaya Pick, when he, he sends you from the Mishnah in Talmud to the Mishnah in Abbas. So the Baruch Shammar says, I don't know if this is what Rabbi Yeshaya Pick meant. The Messiah Sashas meant this, but he said, even if he didn't make it, even if he didn't mean it, Hashem had him write this because this is the truth. He said that the same thing. The Ezel Chacham. That's Rayas HaNoilad, to see the future, but it means the Noilad is the statement that's given birth to. The Moilad is the one who says the statement. The Noilad is to listen to what was said. If you're Rayas HaNoilad, if all you care is the statement that's said, 
you'll be loyming mikoladim, you'll learn from anybody, because it's not important who said it, it's important what was said, so you'll be loyming mikoladim. So there was something to be impressed with, but there was something tragic. There was a tragedy to it, there was something sad, because Kivegu's words are magical. And if I understand some of it, so then Givaldig, and if I don't understand it, I'll yet understand it. But it's something sad, and it dawned on me that I have a job. And I started thinking about what it would take that the words of Ricky Vager would be magical, would be powerful, would be important to these precious yidn, what would it take? And I started thinking to myself, why is it important to you? Why do you care, Dan, when you hear somebody of what, why is it, why is it magical to you? I remember when I had a young, as a youngster, I had a friend, a very close friend, Rafi Pearl, and he came to my house. We were about 11 years old, and we schmoozed eight shalom Friday night, and then we went upstairs to go to sleep. We left my father learning alone downstairs. And I remember from our, the, our bedroom, we heard my father laughing downstairs. And my friend said to me, he, turned, he said, um, didn't we leave dad downstairs alone? It was just us three down there. Now it's just him. And I remember like, like looking at him oddly, I said he's learning. Like, he's learning. Of course you laugh when you learn. He saw Tysus that he's just fired up about it. He's laughing. That was normal. And he, was, he is excited about the words of Tyra. And because he was excited about the words of Tyra, it was important to me. So that made me excited about the words of Tyra. My Rebbe, when I met my Rebbe, and he, would, and, he, and he was important to me, and I saw the words of Tyra and how they, and how he lived them and understood them, his Rebbe became important to me, and his Rebbe's Rebbe, and his Rebbe's Rebbe. So to sit in, to really, to sit in the presence of somebody, it's a tremendous, tremendous, I feel a sense of gratitude, I feel small. To sit in the presence of somebody who makes Tyra, the words of Tyra. My children look at a Svasemis. We don't understand, I don't understand each one. But it's magical to me and it's magical to my children because they have a Rebbe who they appreciate. And through him being magic to them, through the Rebbe being magical to them and important and sincere and authentic, his Rebbeim and his Rebbeim's Rebbeim and his Rebbeim's Rebbeim a magical, that all becomes important to them. And this is the great blessing, the great schos of having a Rebbe, of plugging into a Rebbe, honestly his words matter to you, and impact you, and change you, and his words and his tire resonate by you, you'll all of a sudden be interested in his Rebbeim, and his Rebbeim's Rebbeim, his Rebbeim's Rebbeim. But I was yared with this, this, this group of Gerim, that somebody has to be magical to them. Somebody's words, somebody's tire has to be precious. That person will have a Rebbe, and his Rebbe has a Rebbe, and his Rebbe's Rebbe has a Rebbe, and Abayi Verov will become magical to them. So how fortunate we are, and I want to the rabbi, thank the Rebbe for making the Tyra, that's all the words of Tyra that they learn, that it's magical to them. When they hear the words Svas Emes, and they hear the Rajput, they hear Rebbe Kivegu, they move forward on their seats. 
because there's a magic, because they, they understand what the Dvar Hashem and the Divrei Torah are. That is one of the great gifts of having a Rebbe. I just recently came across, within the last two weeks, my Rebbe has essays about great people, great Talmud Chachamim, and Sadiq, and many that he was zayichet to meet. And, and I saw his essays and his write-ups, and it like, it awoke in me, remembering when I learned by him all those years, and remembering he spoke the different Torah he said from Gedolim of yesteryear, the different Torah and the Eitz and the Adrach and the Musr, and it just awoke in me that sense, that that feeling, the magic of Torah, the preciousness of the Dvar Hashem, that Rebbe handsome. My bracha to everybody here is to be zeichet, to find the Rebbe, whose Torah is magical to you, and as such, Dairis and Dairis of Tyre will be magical and important to you. I wanted to study a Rashi with you that I have learned with Manny and Maishi before, but I didn't understand well, and I have a little bit more Havan in the Rashi I want to share with them and with you. There's a Pasuk in the Parsha that if you visualize, is a difficult visual. It's not what's supposed to be. And Yaakov Avinu bows to Yosef HaTzadik. And Yaakov Avinu, a difficult picture. The father is not supposed to bow to the son. That's not how it's supposed to be. And Yaakov Avinu bows to, to Yosef HaTzadik. And Chazal, Rashi brings Chazal, a memra that Talei Be'idnei Sagadlei, the fox in his time, he bowed to him. For many, many years, I wanted to teach this to my children and to many, many Bachram, and I couldn't teach it. Many, it's, it's one of the most necessary, every single guy here has to learn this skill. And if ever you're trying to teach something and it's not going, MS sells. If you're speaking the truth, it will go into people. Nikarim divrei MS, and people have an attraction to truth. And if something you're teaching is not resonating, you ask yourself, why isn't it going in? Am I perhaps missing something? And this is something for years, for years. Bachram, I wanted to teach guys, how many guys take a job in the summer? And the boss is so dumb. He's so, pardon, I shouldn't talk that way here, but the boss is, he just doesn't get it. And the guy is so frustrated, and I try to work with this, teach this young person, the fox in his time bowed him. This is his time, except the circumstances. It is a skill and an art that we must learn. I think it's important with studying the Torah, why the Torah teaches to us here, why Yaakov Avinu bowing to Yosef and here and now, this is definitely something all of us have to learn. I want to explain, Aaron, why it never resonated. Why when I try to give it over, because I myself didn't understand it, and as such I couldn't teach it, and I want to explain something. And I, this, is, this is what I would like to explain. Many, many youngsters, I, I, I was sitting, a man, a friend of mine, brought over their child, a teenager, and was talking about the principle. And I was trying to teach, that's your principle. 
It's a basic thing. Talent, the fox in his time bowed to him. It wasn't going in. It's like, isn't it obvious? It's frustrating when it's just the truth. It's a skill every single guy here needs to learn and know about and keep it. And the pshat is like this. Hillel and Shammai have a machlaikis in kol kula, and they have a machlaikis. What Hillel is always about sipis ali Yeshua. Shammai, Shammai is always about sipis ali Yeshua, the way things should be, and Hillel accepts the way things are. Hillel is the way things are, and Shammai is the way things should be. The reason youngsters, I was speaking to this youngster and saying tale vidne sagidle. They were tzipisal Yeshua. It shouldn't be this way. Yaakov Avinu should not be bowing to Yosef. The father doesn't bow to the son. And it's very important and precious to have tzipisal Yeshua. Youngsters tend to be much more like Shammai. For some reason, my observation is youngsters tend to have a tzipisal Yeshua. A sense of what should be. And when you tell the youngster, but okay, this person's the prince, but they know who should be the principal. They know what the boss should look like. They know what the matzah should be. The son bows to the father, the father not to the son. And if you don't understand the other side, then you have nothing to teach. And there's a tzipis of Yeshua that must be there. But at the very onset of Gullus, and this might be the most important lesson in Gullus, of course, throughout Gullus, there's a tzipis of Yeshua. There's an awareness of the way things could and should and will be, and a striving for the way it should be. But tali b'idnei sagidli, but always with an acceptance, an acceptance of the matzav. This is the matzah, the fox in his time bowed him. This is the very onset of Gaulus. Yaakov Avinu goes to Mitzrayim, and he bows to Yosef and teaches right here, Tale Bidne Sagidli. It's a Hillel, it's a teaching of Hillel. It's that side of the acceptance of the matzah of now. Accept the matzah, be in this matzah, in a very, very strong way, Tale Bidne Sagidli, powerfully be in the matzah. There must contain this aspect. Now, if you understand the youngster, appreciate their, the reason when that person brought their child. Like, it was like teaching something so simple, like a Rashi, Tale Bidne Sagile. But I wasn't being mockier that this youngster was a Tipis Ali Yeshua. Had a tremendous hope for the way things should be. So while you're telling them to accept, don't destroy and knock out the middle of Tipis Ali Yeshua. Of course, it's wonderful. You always have to. It would be very tragic if you lost sight of the way things should be. If anybody thinks this is like the way it should be, that would be tragic. We've lost Sipisali Yeshua. We lost the sense. We need Shammai and we need Hillel. So certainly in the practicality of Golos today, is Manenu we paskin like Hillel. And the Psak of Hillel is Tale Bidne Sagadli. The fox in his time bound him. This is all areas of our life, so many areas of our life. The acceptance of our situation of now, in a deep way, in a profound way, in a very successful living way, that this is the one who knows, this is the boss, he's the boss. It, but it should, it could. That's all 
That's a tzipisal Yeshua. It's not nothing. That's wonderful that you're makir. That there's a Yeshua, there's a, there is a certain voice, there's a certain matzah. Tzipisal Yeshua is tremendous. But today the Anhaga is like Hillel. The Anhaga is like Hillel all the while that Shammai is brought. We study Shammai and Hillel. And we're aware, it's youngsters, I don't know why, I'll, there must be reasons why youngsters tend to be Shammainiks and tend to have a tremendous Sipisali Yeshua, a sense of what should be. And they struggle when we try to teach them Talib and Nesadili. I think if we understood that the Shairish is Sipisali Yeshua, because they know what could be, I think we'd have more Atzlacha. Since I, 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 I came there to Israel, I wrote down on the plane that the first thing I wanted to learn with Manny and Maishi tonight is this Indian, because I feel that in all the years that I would say this, they heard from me many times. And I feel that I didn't acknowledge and understand and wasn't aware that the other side is peacefully Yeshua. So then it was like, I don't get it, Talib in this like, No, it's wonderful when a person doesn't understand it. And to you youngsters who don't understand it, celebrate their mamishames. It's wonderful they don't understand. They have a sense of what should be. And they don't want to settle. And you're like, coming, I don't get it, Talib. Because it's so sad, Talib in this But it's successful and it's necessary. It doesn't contradict it, Sifisal Yeshua. It doesn't contradict. But it's anhagan. All our lives, all of us need such anhagan. We will encounter this all our lives. The anhagan of Talibid Neisagilay. Where's Manny? Are we learning it a little better this time? Better? It's a chazal we've learned before. But I didn't understand, like, it was like so obvious, I didn't know the counter Once I understand the counter, I understand the need. Yaakov taught everything in the Torah is so exact. Before they went there to Yisrael, there wasn't the sogi of Talei Bidnei Sagadun. The sogi of Golos is Talei Bidnei Sagadun, it's the sogi of Golos. And in the sogi of Golos, one has to understand that there's an acceptance and a steiging in the situation. In, in situations, and if there's a part that's frustrated, it feels so bedieved, don't worry if you have that frustration. You have Shammai healthfully pulsating inside of you. You have a Tzipisal Yeshua. It would be sad if you didn't, if it wasn't the bad scene to you, the father bowing to the son, and some guy would just be saying, I don't get it, Talib and they said, that's what, that was me, that was Dan Kalish for years. I don't get it, Talib and they said, so your boss to say he's not so smart. So you have no Tzipisal Yeshua? It's just, you're supposed to work for a dim-witted boss? Of course, you're supposed to work for the best boss, to the Melech Mal, the ultimate other he was supposed to have. There's a Tzipisali Yeshua you should have when you're frustrated. It's a good thing to be frustrated. But then take the situation that you're in. Take the situation and Talei Bidnei Sagadwe, bow to the facts. So that's the first message that I want them to share.
want to share something else with Manny and Mesh, but I'm not jumping right in. That's I want them to contemplate that. So let's let's have Revach Ben Aprak with a song, and then Beis Hashem will get back to learning a little more. <laughs> to Nevardik Yesheva. At that time, the altar of Nevardik was not alive. The Rosh Yeshiva of Nevardik at that time was Rav Ram Yafin. Rav Ram Yafin was a son-in-law and a Talmud of the altar of Nevardik, and he was the Rosh Yeshiva of Nevardik. Rav Ram Yafin had a son-in-law, Rav Leib Nekritz, who was a son-in-law and a Talmud of his, and Rav Leib Nekritz's son-in-law was Rabbi Per, was a Rebbe, my Rebbe, Rabbi Per was a son-in-law, Yeshiva Derech Eisan. Yeshiva Raku is called Derech Eisan. Eisan means Avram Eisan Ezrahi. And Eisan is Avram Yafin Talmud Nevardik. That's what it stands for. And this person went for Elul to learn by Avram Yafin for Elul. After Elul, Maitzi and Kippur, they were waiting to say goodbye to Avram Yafin to thank for the Elul Bayim. And they were waiting online. It was a long line. And the altars daughter, who was Rav Ram Yafin's wife, asked this person, this Talmud Chachim, you know this Maisesh the, the altar's daughter, Rav Ram Yafin's wife, asked this person, what's the difference between Radin and between Nevardin? The person didn't want to say, there was a lot of differences, the person didn't want to like, it was a big Talmud Chachim who was asked, but the person didn't want to like jump in, so they waited and the Altar of Nevardik's daughter said something interesting. She said, in Radin you saw Yadadmos of the Chavetz Chaim. So in Radin you saw what could be, what could be and should be and will be. She said, in Nevardik you saw what is. 
she tried to describe this word that she felt that Nevardic was a world of Tale Ben who you are, a reality of who you are, and what could be, what you should be doing now, the matziv of now. And in Radin, you saw Tzipisul Yeshua. Yeshua, you saw Asagas. That's how she uptaged what this person experienced in Radin and what the person experienced in the Vardin. Certainly, we need both elements. I wanted to share that message.
on an athlete is you speak to the coach, to the rival coach and the rival players. The people who had to compete with him, they often know their rival better than anybody. Usually better than his own teammates is the guy, the coach who had to make a game plan to stop this guy. And the other players who had to compete against him, they usually know best. It's always very kidai to pay heed to our enemies, to hear how they attack us in a certain way, in a certain way you can get smart from your enemy, your enemy and how he attacks and where he attacks, he often is more aware of you than you are yourself because he has the scheme and game plan against you. Anybody would write a book about a big athlete, the main, it's Pashat like this, that the main interviews are the players who competed and the coaches who competed. It's very fascinating, Yavon. We just came through a Chag of Hanukkah, then we came through the, we just went, went through a Tainus this week, and we thought and contemplated about this Yavon, this Malchus Harisha, this evil Malchus, this Malchus of Rishus, and, and it's kedai, it's very kedai to see how they attack us, to learn about us. And they were guys here against three things, two of the three things, if I did a poll around this room, that you were chas v'shalom, you were looking to harm chas v'shalom, the yidden, the yidden. 
So that somebody would be geyser against Shabbos is Tvarim Shutim. Somebody would be geyser against Shabbos, it's Tvarim Shutim. The power of Shabbos, the power of Shabbos. I just, this past, this past Shabbos Kodesh, I went, Shalashodis, we were singing in the Nefesh. Somebody said, Tvarim Neflam, Divrei Torah. And right after, I was called a dorm counselor. Two bachrim were working on figuring out ways how to get along. And I was called to try to help them in their, in their pursuit. And I walk into a dorm of guys who weren't by Shabbos, who weren't there, who weren't, and they, and they were involved in a squabble. And they hadn't been by Shalashodis, or the day suda, or the night suda, or the Einik Shabbos, for that matter. And it was so bar to me, all they need is Shabbos. That's what like, they need in their life, Shabbos. They need Shabbos in their life. I tried to talk to them. I had just come from singing, Yedid Nefesh, Hadr, Na'a, Ziva, Eilam. I tried to talk to them and have a conversation. I was coming off that. The shmooze that we talked, but all they need, it's so obvious to me, they need Shabbos. So that Yavon was geyser against Shabbos. Yavon gets us, they got it. They nailed it, we need Shabbos. And if you want to be geyser against the Yid, take away Shabbos, they, they were yoyret to something. Bris milas, the ice on our bodies of our connection to Hashem. Bris chashachasamta bivsarenu. It's one of the only two essays that's chayiv kares. It's marked as a precious, precious mitzvah. It's a mitzvah that's a constant on a person. David HaMelech was consoled by the bris milah. David HaMelech was in, the, was in the bathhouse, wasn't involved in a mitzvah. And he, he was, that was starting to seep in in Atzvus. And he remembered the milah. The milah said to him that deeper than any performance of a mitzvah is who you are. You have an ice on your body. He wasn't saying, that I don't know for actively having a kiyum in, 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 in Mila, but the reminder of that precious mitzvah is not what we're doing, but who we are. And in comfort, David HaMelech, Bris Mila, is the mark of who we are. And our enemies want to attack us. They were geyser on Mila. Shabbos and Mila, they nailed it. The third attack literally is a head-scratcher. I don't want to talk every mitzvah eternal. And every mitzvah, all of us, can be the shtaymim and could build an entire life on any one mitzvah. So to take away any mitzvah is, no, is, no, is nothing light and not a small thing and not in any way chas v'shalom to like say, well, that mitzvah. But if you're attacking us, there's no but to this. So they took a mitzvah, it's tragic. But our enemies studied us. Did they really understand us to take away Rosh Chodesh? Does anybody here like sense that if you want to get us, you'd see your mamish want to get us hard. So you take away Rosh Chodesh. It's interesting, you grow up, there's like one guy in the class, he wears like white shirts of Rosh Chodesh. He's like the biggest goody-goody in the class. It's so sweet. Like the oven had to attack. That's the last guy I'd attack. The class is not so foul. What's this they attack? Rosh Chodesh is precious. 
With Yavani, did they understand us? Did they know something we don't? In attacking Yidin, they got a third thing. Now granted, smartly, many people have told me Yantiv they were attacking. That's very smart. And I'd have zero cash if they attacked Yantiv. And anybody could say, if there's no Rosh Chosh, no Yantiv, I don't believe that's they were attacking. It's too indirect. But get glad, attack, attack Yantiv. Now it's true, if you attack Rosh Chodesh, but they attacked Rosh Chodesh, the Shnei Tegu, the Mavatu Rosh Chodesh. They could have gone, if you celebrate Shavuos, Pesach, Sukkot, I'm skeptical that they were trying to attack Yom because they would have just attacked Yom like they did Shabbos. Now it is true, if you attack Rosh Chodesh, you do attack, it seems too indirect. It should say, and if it said this idea, it's no question. Mila, Shabbos, and Yamtiv. I'd have zero question. It says Rishchidim. And I'm somewhat skeptical that what they were saying is Yamtiv. Though it's true when you attack Rishchidim, you damage Yamtiv. That is the truth. But I'm somewhat skeptical that they were attacking just because Chazal say they attacked Rishchidim. So the question becomes, what did our enemies understand about us that maybe we failed to see? What were they... So I want to present something, B'derech Efshar, I want to say to Matitad, maybe, perhaps as follows, there's a machloikis, the Chinuch and the Rambam, in the mitzvah of Rosh Chodesh, what it entails. The Rambam counts two mitzvahs. One is Kiddush HaChodesh, each month we Mekadosh to Chodesh as one mitzvah, and another mitzvah, baking leap year, Shmar as Chodesh HaAviv, a separate mitzvah. However, the Chinuch, counts these two mitzvahs all under the banner of Rosh Chodesh. And he counts it as one mitzvah. So making leap years is Rosh Chodesh as well. It's under that same mitzvah, Chodesh HaZelochem. Hagam, it's learned from Shmaras Chodesh Aviv to keep Pesach in the spring. One, if we just kept our year, our year that counts by the moon, the lunar year, it doesn't fit the year of the sun. And every year, 11 days are chopped off the year, and over a short time, Pesach would not be in the spring. It would be all, it would be in the middle of the summer to the middle of the winter. It wouldn't come out in the spring. And Shmaras Chaydesh Aviv, we want Pesach to be the spring. We want Shvuas to be the Zmana Katsir. We want Sukkis to be the Zmana Asif. We want Chanukah to be the winter. They're very exact, the calendar. And in order to keep our calendar working with the seasons, we need leap years. And that's the mitzvah of Rosh Chodesh. And if it's one mitzvah, so essentially Yavam was geyser, that you're not allowed to make leap years. We don't want your months to work out. Now the question, so why is that? What are they so fired up? Why are they so fired up, Yanka, that our months shouldn't work out? What would be so? So we'd manage, so... So Pesach would be in the middle of the winter. The Yom Tovim bring out a tremendous truth in our world. It bring out a truth that the physical reflects a world of Ruchnius. That the physical reflects a true world of Ruchnius. And the Yom Tovim line up that the world is starting to percolate and get all beautiful and nice in the time of Yitzhiyas Mitzrayim is because that's what's happening because of a spiritual truth. 
And the physical we see mirrors is, is, is because of the spiritual truths. It affects every aspect of the world that you'd see as Mitzrayim, this freedom. Things are blooming, a human being is coming into his own, he's breaking his shackles, and that has to express in Hashem's physical world. It comes out, and it comes out, we see a world that's bursting out. Things are blossoming, things are coming. And when there's a shvuas, there's manakatsia, we receive a Torah. We receive the Torah that guides us and leads us, so then it's a time we're harvesting the payers. And then we sin and figure out and integrate Torah into ourselves with struggle, with difficulty. <laughs> you watch any path of somebody steiging. He like goes too much, it, 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 it works. He's grappling and figuring out and incorporating steiging. That's the period from Sukkis that goes from Shavuos to Sukkis. Sin and Shuvah and the process of integrating and figuring out and living with what we know. And then we have Zmana Asif. We actually bring it into the home. It's actually usable Paris. It's integrated into our lives. And so the physical world and all the physical things reflect, reflect the spiritual truths. And Yavan who has beauty, Yavan who has something that's accurate, but it's disconnected to its spiritual truths. The picture of the Gemara is such a fascinating picture. Yavan Alexander's marching on Yerushalayim, and, Yak and Shimon Atzadik's marching towards them. I'm very competitive. I'm like waiting for Shimon Atzadik to, to beat them up. We win, we win. Of course the truth wins. So I'm waiting, and then they meet, and it's the most awkward ending of a battle like I ever heard in my life. A battle ends with blood. A battle ends with a victor. Avi Lachman doesn't like ties. Yitzhak a friend of ours, once told me, show me a good loser, and I'll show you a loser. Good one. But anyway, in a struggle... <laughs> In a struggle, there's a winner and a loser. There's a, there's a fight, there's a tussle. And Sheminat Sadiq comes to Alexander the Great, and there's this epic showdown, but like it ends, Alexander bows, and they like hug it out. I don't mind that all friends like, okay, so did Alexander like, sir, it just ends in a bizarre way. Where Alexander says, before my victories, he comes to me, Yavan sees something disconnected. We're on a deeper plane. We're not an exact, we're an enemy of them, but we're not, we're not a struggle. We don't destroy Yavan. We just yishkain ba'alei shame. The beauty as a place, we have hidder mitzvah. I always like every single year, my father brings out his accordion, Hanukkah, and plays the accordion. I always feel Yavan loved music, but, but the music's meant to celebrate Hanukkah. The music's meant to celebrate Hanukkah. Yavan wants to disconnect the physical and the beauty that they see. They want to attack Kiddush HaChadosh. They don't want leap years. They don't want it to coincide that all the beautiful things of the world reflect something deeper and something important and something powerful. I always appreciate this yeshiva is very dignified. Bakram are well-dressed in Taras Chaim. The building is beautiful. It's very important. It's supposed to be that way. 
It's troubling when it's not that way. It's troubling because there's a, that Rabbi Yisrael, one of the first moves Rabbi Yisrael Salanter did, one of the first moves, when he was, when he was starting a Muslim movement, he felt that the B'nai Torah should dress nicer. There's a reality not being reflected. It's very, it's, something's off. There's something off. And he added Sipisali Yeshua that it shouldn't be off. He saw Bakram, they weren't dressed. I can say it years ago when I was asked to start a Masifta, the first thing I told friends of mine is that I want guys to dress well. That if the Hevra are learning Torah and serving Hashem, they should be dressed Ishmaq, should have good hairstyles, very important. It would be like a tremendous strangeness if the physical world wouldn't reflect the truth. The Shabbos table is supposed to look stunning. The it would be like if the Shabbos table wouldn't be beautiful. It's, it's a Shulchan Malachim. What, what, what are you talking about? It would be like, it would be, that, that would be the Spitz Golos. It would be, that would, you're allowed to be Tzipi Sali Yeshua. And the physical world reflects the truths. It, it's, a, it's a display, and, it, and the truths, of course, reach our physical world, but of course, the, the truths, the Rabbanish it's all here. And that it should reflect the truth. Pesach time should be gorgeous, but of course. And Hanukkah should light the air, it should be an early winter night, but of course, it's obvious. It's obvious what Hanukkah should be. A guy came to my house this Hanukkah. He doesn't know he was like soaked. The guy was saturated with Hanukkah. A guy came to my house, knocks on the door. There's a certain type of knock. You know it's either the KGB or a kid. It's like very rapid. Like one of those knocks. Some, it's either a child, the KGB, or a desperate person. The guy had a bang late at night. And he came into my house. He needed to sit down and just burst out crying. He lit the Hanukkah, he's an older single, and he was in tremendous sar, he was in tremendous pain, that he lit the Neiris, not in his own home, Neiris Shubesai, it wasn't in his own home. And he was bawling, he was crying, he was, he was feeling Hanukkah, he was feeling the light, he felt the earth, but he had it peacefully Yeshua, all the while experiencing the Ner Hanukkah, and he was crying, he felt Hanukkah, and Hanukkah is exact when it is, and the physical time that Hanukkah is, and what it is, and what it's saying, and its messages. What, what it's saying is very, very much exact, expressed in the physical world. And Meloi Cholart's Kivaydi, and Yavan doesn't want that. Yavan wants a beauty detached. That's the, our enemy, and we don't really beat them and kill them with just Mahadur and Mitzvahs. We just have beautiful Menayrus. We have stunning Menayrus. We have gorgeous Menayrus. I was, I was about 20, about 24 years ago, I moved from Eretz Yisrael to Connecticut. And I was walking home from Yeshiva and I saw the Goyesh lights. And I was bothered that they seemed to have very competitive and I was bothered they outdid us. I have a little light and the guy and they lit it up. And it bothers me, they outdid us. It bothered me a lot. So somebody said, well, our, I told a friend of mine, he said, well, we have real fire, they have fake. It's a little bit of a comfort, okay, okay. <laughs> okay, I hear, I hear. Just, okay. It just, but they have so many lights. 
parks lit up, that park on, and then it occurred to me that they don't make a bracha, Baruch Atah Hashem, Lekenu Melech Haylam, Sher Kedeshanu B'Mitzvaysa B'Tzimanu Lahad Lekner Shaul knows what. And that no guy in the world ever made that bracha. And we have a bracha on our ner, we were mitzvah. Our ner, our ner connects to eternity. Our ner is speaking about a reality and a truth. And we make a bracha, and the guy could light up the world, but he makes no bracha on it. It doesn't connect to anything. They have an unplugged ner, my ner is plugged in. But he said fire and electricity, much, much deeper. My ner touches the, it touches the essence of the world. It comes from somewhere. My ner explodes from a truth. And Yavon wanted, they wanted to abolish Kiddush HaChodesh. Perhaps they didn't want any leap years. And then the physical wouldn't reflect. It wouldn't be, it would be just off, not timed, not, not in the right place. And we'd be confused, it would reflect, but in its wrong place, it wouldn't be obvious. It wouldn't be evident. And we're that it's evident that in this physical world that we're in, it's very, very evident. It could be felt, it could be experienced. The truths of the world could be experienced. I appreciate a lot of yeshiva that's majestic, because that's the way Tamida Chama called Malki. It should reflect, it's supposed to reflect. It's a gather of gullus when it's not that way, and then there's such a thing. Don't knock the other one, Talibid, they sagadly. But when it is reflected, it's precious. They should have stronger chairs. I want to give Musa, I don't know who's in charge of that. The chairs should be stronger. The yeshiva like this should have, they should have pushed. Somebody, one of the chevriya, one day sponsored the shmaka chairs. Upstairs, they also the dining room. That's sometimes a trick. They don't want guys to spend too much time in that. But even the dining room, the yeshiva is important. They should have a fancy yeshiva place that reflects Man Malki is Rabbanan. Should have Yisrael with one fancier chairs. I have no doubt. But okay, okay, maybe maybe as tali, maybe it's together tali bit nei a little bit like some tzikaron. The fact that there's a yeshiva that's beautiful and the Bnei Taira dress appropriately is, is very appropriate. It's appropriate and it reflects a reality that the Loimit Taira, the princeliness of the Loimit Taira is a prince. Loimit Taira is a prince. Somebody who's learning Taira, who's serving Hashem, that's a reality and it's, it's supposed to be that it's reflected in the physical world. It's supposed to, Moloi Chalart's it comes out very, very stark. There's hiddenness here, but it comes out comes out, and Baruch Hashem, Yavam was not successful, and we're zoichet to have expressions in our physical world, to have beautiful tables, Shabbos, beautiful Shabbos suit, decorated beautifully. One of my favorite moments of the week is always the Shabbos table, Friday night, everybody's table. Everybody, I still have no stains, the beginning of Shabbos, there are, <laughs> everybody's dressed, people's clothing are just wonderful, the table is beautiful, and it reflects a spiritual truth. And to see in a physical world an expression of all the truths that we know, and all the physical activities connect back to the, to, to the truths of the world, that's the world that we're zeichet, the world that we're zeichet, to live in a deeper world than Yavim. We're not, we can't really fight, we're not in the same realm, it's like, they just fly over each other. Where they fight, he's like, he's in my dream. He's, 
behind everything I do, there's something deeper than me. That's Pachasei Yisrael, Alexander said. There's something deeper and more that's behind what I do. There's something more. And he bows to Shemana Tzadik because there is just something more.
And the Redams said Kitsayid Befiv means that Yitzchak was trapping Hashem. Kitsayid Befiv means that Sayid Befiv, in the mouth of Yitzchak, he was trapping Hashem. He loved Esav and he was Sayid Befiv. Yitzchak was trapping Hashem. Now, what the Redams says is Pashat Pshat, a reality of life. Simple Pshat. Like all the pshatim and pnimius, you can figure it out in, in, in the pshat, but he says something simple, Yaakov. Yitzchak was trapped. What does that mean, to trap Hashem? He was trapping Hashem by loving Esav. Says the Radomsky, he was praying to God. When my son struggles and, has, and, and, is, and is struggling, I love him. So you, Hashem, have to love your children. He was trapping Hashem. Hashem tzilch, Hashem mirrors us. So he was saying to Hashem, by every time he was nice to Esav and loving Esav was a prayer. The deepest prayers, deeper than what you say, is how you behave. And his behavior to Esav was one big prayer to God, saying, I'm nice to my, I love my son, he's my son. Reb Chaim Shmuel Lovitz famously, does anybody here in this room ever pray by Yad Shalom? I didn't think one guy would raise it. Nobody prays. Is there any human being who prays by Yad Shalom? Is it real, not real? It's supposedly some, something made somewhere in Eretz Yisrael for Avshalom who was rebellious to try to kill David Ameller. One Yid used to pray there. Famously, Reb Chaim Shmulevitz would go play there. It seems on more than one occasion he went to pray there. And the Talmud asked, nobody prays, but you ever heard this about Nobody prays by Yad Shalom except Reb Chaim Shmulevitz. And he said to Hashem, he said, Hashem, Avshalom tried to kill David Amelech, and yet he said, B'ni, eight times in his eulogy for Avshalom, yet it did not extinguish the love of a father to a son. He tried to kill his father, and the love was powerful and permanent. He said it eight times, brought him to, from the lowest to the highest. He, he davened, B'ni, B'ni, B'ni. And Reb Chaim would cry to Hashem and he said, I don't care how far we are, remember David Amelech's prayers. Remember his behavior to Hashem. So I'll tell you a story. If guys are talking in Yeshiva by Davening, I don't like Shashim. I want a guy to learn prayers. The two worst minyanim I ever was at were both quiet minyanim. I don't, it has to be quiet. You're not allowed to talk. It's us to the talk by Davening. The two worst minyanim I ever was at in my life were silent minyanim. There was no chiyos. It was, it, was, it, was, it was silent minyanim. It was horrendous. It would have been so much better if everybody was talking. You're not allowed to talk by davening, but you're not allowed to either do nothing by davening. That's for sure. So it was, the, you need chiyos. And certainly I, along the path of a bakr getting chiyos, it take, you want to show davening. It's, it's my, I want him to hear much more than shah. I want him to hear prayer. So I just want him to connect and to daven and he'll hear prayer and that will pull him in. So that times a is talking, you walk over and slow, slow, let him give him a hug and he feels love. He'll experience that Hashem loves him. That will bring to prayer the other things to do. But Maisa, a guy was once in Shear, getting me very nervous. A guy says a joke in Shear, Mechaya, spitballs, Mechaya. A guy was doing stuff, was getting me nervous in Shear. He wasn't blowing his, it was Gishmak, he was getting, and then I think to myself, Kalish. On Hashem's covered, see Gishmak, on Hashem's understandable, slowly, on your covered, you're getting all upset. 
If on your covered you let him go, it's a prayer. If on your covered you let him say it. Say there, you are covered, you let him go. You don't say, Sha, Sha. You let him go on your covered. It's a big prayer. It's a prayer to Hashem. Our behaviors towards the next person in general are get together a prayer to Hashem. Hashem tzilcha, all our behaviors to the next person. <laughs> Somebody once went to the Baba Tzali and they said to him, they were a landlord and they wanted to kick out. They asked, they, he was a tremendous Baal Chesed. And they wanted to kill, kick out a guy who hadn't paid rent in six months. So they said to Baba Tzad, do I have a right? They wanted to ask, like one of the G'dayli Adar of kindness. said, Rebbe, six months the guy hasn't paid rent. Could I kick him out? And he burst out crying like a baby. So the guy didn't What happened, he just was thinking, he said, I don't know if I always pay full rent either over here. There's a prayer, our behavior towards the next person is a prayer to Hashem. All our behaviors to the next person are begedra prayer. He was so to speak, that's why Hashem created on hug of the world, Hashem Tzilcha. He mirrors our behaviors and our treating the next person is a prayer to Hashem. on our And we say, the person, slowly, slowly, we'll get it right. So then that's, that's begedra prayer to Hashem. But my prayer to Hashem now is that I should be quiet so we can hear Bensi. That's the prayer right now. Bensi, take it away.
Oh my gosh. 